All right, I want you to close your eyes real quick. Close your eyes before we get going. I want you to picture your life 22 years from today. All right, what is it? I mean, if everything works out according to plan, just as you dream it to work out. Okay, open up your eyes and look at me. This is your future. This is it. This. Is that what you were picturing? Like when you close your eye, I mean, do you wake up and you're like, there it is. I, uh, I was actually having a little moment back there because 22 years ago, uh, I chased a girl to this church. And she was starting this ministry. There was 12 people uh, starting a, we called it C2, college and career. It's your age group. And she was super cute. And uh, you know how, like, pastors are funny about their girls dating guys that they don't know? Any of, any of you, those guys, feel like the outsider? None of those here, right? Okay, well, I was the outsider that didn't come to this church. And this pastor was like, I need to know Berger. Who is this burger guy? So I came, and uh, legit, this is a true story. There's only 12 people. And this pastor, Dan and Deb know him. He's pretty serious. He's fired up. And he's teaching in his family room. And my first time ever meeting my girlfriend's pastor, I fell asleep in the couch. Like, it's not like falling asleep on a Sunday morning. I'm in his living room as he's teaching a Bible study, and I'm falling asleep, I'm the outsider. And uh, so I'm having this moment, I was like, when I came here, like, I'm thinking about who I was, thinking about, like, the community that we had called C2. Uh, to give you an idea of how long ago that was, Dan Moon was, it wasn't Kaylee up here, it was Dan Moon, and he was young. <laughs> and he was up here singing Cademan's Call, and I was like, uh, and... 23 years later, I'm overwhelmed with joy. First of all, the fact that, like, this disinterested punk who did not have a heart for God at this place was just raised to love Jesus. And so when I look at you guys, I get really excited. This is, like, nostalgic for me. Now, I do want to tell you about that that uh, group because if, you, if I were to, like, light a match right now. This is what happened in this group. It went from 12 to 600. It was insane. And it ended overnight. And it was the most devastating ending to a ministry I've ever been a part of. And I'm gonna tell you why I'm encouraged by you guys, because we had all the answers. We studied like crazy. We memorized scripture. We were out feeding homeless. We would drive our cars to the park where all the homeless were. We'd get them in the car. We'd drive them to church. We had an amazing thing. But you know what? We began to be so puffed up. It was like if we met another Christian, it was almost like you're not a real Christian because you don't go to our church. You ever met Christians like that? Like, we have all the answers. We are the best. We're the only ones doing it right. And God just went to our match, and it was over, like overnight. So I, I want to encourage you. You are not the best church. You are not 
the smartest. You are not God's gift to the kingdom of God. You are normal, everyday people that God has made into a family that is following him. And the reason why I'm encouraged is in the leadership of this ministry, I see a humility that we did not even sniff. Corey and the team, there is a humility and a dependence on God that I really feel like is not going to be a flame. Maybe we don't grow to 600, but it's a candle that will burn. And you're going to get some of you to see 20 years from now what God does through your faithfulness in just following him as an everyday normal believer. And it's going to be magnificent. Let me pray for us. And then we're going we're gonna, to uh, teach, uh, I'm going to teach, if God allows it, uh, in the series Following Jesus, which I'm just really excited about. So let's pray. Father, it is a joy to be here. Uh, God, it's just even a joy to have Deb and Dan in the back row and just to remember the moment I showed up on this campus and the 23 years of just you showing yourself to be good and faithful despite our sin, uh, despite our arrogance. Lord, in your kindness, you have humbled us. And in your kindness, you have used this place. And I pray, Lord, that you would use me tonight. <coughs> Not because I have the best words, the most dynamic personality, but Lord, I just, I want uh, these young people to know and to fall in love with you. And so I pray you do that by your spirit and through your word tonight. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. All right, um, I haven't had a voice all day. I've been kind of coughing. I'm getting over that COVID bug and uh, I'm... I'm good. I'm like, I followed all the procedures, tested negative. I'm good. But the throat is not great. So I might take some more water breaks from Corey today. You know. That verse, uh, that verse that Tyler read, Isaiah 61, the beginning of the chapter, if we were Israelites, we would have held on to this piece of the scroll would have gone to Sunday school, the synagogue, and they would have rolled this thing out. They would have read this scripture. And us, being exiled and slaves in another land, would be wondering, has God given up on us? And we would hold on to Isaiah 61. Like, it is our only hope that God has promised he will be faithful to send someone. A servant. A king. And this king is going to make everything better. Our, the chains of slavery, he's going to set us free. Our poverty and weakness, he will make us strong. He will turn our grief into joy, our mourning into laughter. We would go to Sunday school and we would open up the scroll and we would read that and just pray, please, Lord, like how long until the servant comes, until you send your king? Your Messiah, we would have known him as Messiah. So I'm going to teach through Luke 6. <coughs> but I want to back up to Luke 4, which is like one of the most, uh, like if I could make a movie about Jesus, like this would be an epic scene right now. And I feel like as followers of Jesus, if we can really put ourselves in the scripture, like what was actually this moment like? 
Like, what if we were in this moment and this happened? What would have happened in the room? Imagine you have a friend you grew up with that kind of went insane. Um, emotionally unstable. Hurting himself and hurting others. Out of control violence. We don't have a mental hospital. We don't have medicine to put him on. And so we just chained him up near the tombs where we put dead bodies. And he just lives out there. You know, we have terms like, oh, they're a, they're a workaholic or, or uh, she's, a, a, uh, yeah, she's a workaholic. He's, a, he's an alcoholic. <laughs> this dude we call a demoniac. Because he has been overcome by evil to such a degree that a demon has just taken control of his life. And unless we chain him up, he's a danger to all of us. That's our friend. He grew up in Sunday school with us. All right. There's the scene. We show up at Sunday school and one of our friends, his name is Yeshua. We call him Jesus. He gets called up. And the, and the rabbi says, I want you to read this morning. And they open up the scroll, and they open it up to Isaiah 61. Would have been a familiar verse for all of them. And Jesus stands up, walks to the scroll, finds this verse, and he reads, just like he probably would have done his whole life growing up. The spirit of the Lord is on me, for he's anointed me to bring good news to the poor and has sent me to proclaim the captives will be released and the blind will see. The oppressed will be set free and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. It says Jesus rolled up the scroll and handed it back to the attendant. And then he sat down. Totally normal. And then he says this. The scripture you've just heard has been fulfilled today. I wish I was in that room. He stands up, walks to the scroll, opens it up right here, reads it. Everybody nods their head. Yep, that's our hope. We're waiting for Messiah. And then Jesus says, that's happening right now. The servant has come. Messiah is here to save his people. Now, my guess is if Kendrick stood up here and said that, we would laugh. We might chain him up in the tombs like he's lost his mind. And that's exactly what they did. Like, what in the world is he talking about? until he walks out and he sees our friend in the tomb. And if you can imagine the friend running up, naked, dark, scars all over his body from how he's hurt himself, the demoniac, and Jesus says, be quiet, come out. And immediately the demon comes out and our friend is in his right mind. What would that have been like? 
He just says, he's come to set us free, and immediately, boom, with a word, be quiet, come out, a friend is set free. Over the next few days, he heals those with diseases. He heals blind people. People are reaching out just to try and touch him, just to get this power of this regular human being that we've known through our childhood, but there is a power coming out of this man that nobody has seen before. Obviously, he draws a gathering very quickly. He's up by himself praying. His disciples are looking for him. We've got a crowd. We've got C2. To, it's, I, I'm trying not to use my dorky language. I'm not going to do it. Uh, oh, it's so tough. Oh, don't do it. <laughs> what do you say? All right. I love the inter- Can we make this more interactive? Can we do that? All right. Jesus is up praying to the Father, and the disciples are like, we've got something great going on right now. Jesus comes down, and he says, I got to go to the next town. What are you talking about? We've got the crowd right here. He says this, I need to announce. I need to announce to all the other cities the good news of the kingdom of God. Now, we use that word announce, and we translate it preach. We think preaching is like a style of a sermon. Like, right now, I'm preaching. But the word preach is to announce good news. It's to make a proclamation. Something has happened, and what Jesus is doing is going town to town and saying, that future kingdom that's been promised to us as Israelites, when the low will be lifted up, when the poor will be lifted up, when the oppressed will be set free, when the blind will see, that day the kingdom of God, that power has broken into history right now. And he needs to announce it to people. Good news. The kingdom of God is here on earth as it is in heaven. So we're going to pick up in Luke 6. How does Jesus start this kingdom revolution? If we were watching the movie, this would have been like Jesus right now is like flying solo. He has no squad. Right? right, That's what Jade's talking about, all right? I'll say less. Bet. <laughs> All right, we're getting loosened up. Here we go. <clears throat> How does Jesus start the revolution? He's without a squad. He's flying solo, and people are starting to follow him. He goes up once again up on the mountain. He prays all night, Luke 6 says. He prays all night. And he comes down, and what does he do? The revolution begins today. So he drafts his team. Like fantasy football, first round draft pick, that smelly fisherman, loudmouth P. 
Peter. And everybody goes, Peter? Yes, and James. James? Andrew. Like, and he just goes, John, the fisherman, Jesus. We have some students over here. We got Harvard grads over here. And Jesus starts the kingdom revolution by picking 12 ordinary teenage boys. It was the tradition that a rabbi would choose disciples at when, they, when, they, when they were young men, teenage boys up to about 18, younger than you. This is more like Sunday 6 youth. And he picks the stinky fisherman kids. He's going to change the world. He starts with a community of followers. And you guys have talked about what a disciple is. Students. And the followers now gather at the feet of Jesus. How does the revolution begin? He calls ordinary people. And these people are in awe of what Jesus is doing. But that awe, get this, that awe of what, is, what power is coming out of him leads them to be learners. Okay, do you get this? Like, you are fantastic. You're brilliant. That thing you do with blind people is amazing. You know how you just spit and you rub dirt on it? Like, that's incredible. I'm in awe of you. But that awe leads to me sitting at your feet and learning. Why is this important? Sometimes we sing songs. We sing some beautiful songs. Like, I get emotional, especially when Kaylee's singing. But I get emotional when I hear these words, and I am in awe of what God has done. But there's a lot of times in my life, and there's a lot of times in my church community, that we sing those songs, and we are in awe. And yet, then we sit at the feet of people, and we learn about life. And how we ought to live from influencers, celebrities that are good at music, that are good at fashion, that are good at sports. And we're in awe of Jesus in our songs. And then we sit at the feet of human beings and we let them teach us the way to live. To follow Jesus is absolutely to be enthralled with who he is. He's the son of God. He's the Messiah, the Christ, our savior, the lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. He has all wisdom and all power, all glory, all might. He is completely holy and different than me. Amen? I'm in awe of him. Now you teach me how to live. What? Why do we do that? The revolution begins in awe of Jesus and then at his feet where a disciple is taught the ways of the kingdom. <coughs> okay, I'm excited because we've got 13 minutes or so and we're going to sit at the feet of Jesus right now, okay? Now, what we have in Luke 6 
is a lesson that Jesus taught when they were at his feet. And Luke, the physician, made eyewitness accounts, listened to eyewitness accounts, and wrote it down so future generations could hear this lesson right here. And what Jesus is doing is saying, the power of the kingdom has broken in, and now here's the ways of the kingdom. It's not like the world that you live in. This kingdom of mine is upside down, backwards, and inside out. His kingdom is upside down, it's backwards, and it's inside out. Look what he says. This is Luke 6, uh, verse 20. Jesus turned to the disciples. Who's he looking at? The disciples, the young men, the crowd of people in awe. They're poor, they're oppressed by Romans, they're a weak dominated nation they're sick with diseases many of them are there because they've had demon possession they're hungry they're a sorry looking group and he looks at them but when he sees them he can see the future the end of the revolution he can see the coming of the kingdom and what Kendrick will become then not what Kendrick is now. What Ricky will be then, not what Ricky is now. So he looks at their poverty and he says this. Looking into the future, he says, God blesses you who are poor. For the kingdom is yours. God blesses you who hunger now. For you will be satisfied. God blesses you who weep now, for in due time you will laugh. And what a blessing awaits you when people hate you. Excuse me. And they exclude you and mock you and curse you. They call you evil because you follow me, the Son of Man. And when that happens, I want you to be happy. Yes, I want you to leap. I want you to jump for joy on that day for great, for a great award, reward awaits you in heaven. And remember, the ancestors treated ancient prophets the same way. Jesus has such a focus of like now and then. And if I could do, if I had a whiteboard diagram right now, some of you know I love. It would be then is greater than now. Right now, this life sucks. Poverty, weak, diseased, demon-possessed, anyone want that? That's now. Your situation is now. Then is greater than now. Do you understand that? You are not going to remain in this place. Jesus looks at you and says, blessed are you. Like, be happy because I can see the end of the story, and then it's really good for you. Then is really good for you. Take heart, be encouraged. Some of you need to hear that tonight. We'll just pause right now. Then is greater than now. We get we get Christianity backwards when we think then is now. The kingdom of God, heaven is right now. 
And when things aren't going well, we're like, what's up? The heck is happening? Why are things messed up? Because we're not then. You know what I'm saying? Our hope is in then when the kingdom of God and Jesus returns and he fully brings the power of restoration. The day when jubilee and jumping for joy and there is no more tears and no more sadness and no more cause for sin and no more sin. And people will drink freely from the, the river of living water. With They will get drink from that river without cost. It's given to us freely and we'll live eternally. In shalom, peace, every nation, every tribe, every language on earth, worshiping Jesus, living in the kingdom together. That's then. What you're in today is now. Be encouraged. Blessed are you because that kingdom is yours. This is completely upside down. Because here's what he says next. He looks at the group close, and I'm guessing, and now I'm just guessing because of Jesus' ministry. I wasn't there. But the people closest to Jesus are the ones that are sick, the ones that are poor, the ones that are demon-possessed. They're close enough to reach out and touch. Who else is in the crowd? The healthy, the fat and happy, the religious, the ones whose lives are golden now. Right? But they're not sitting up front towards Jesus reaching out for help because they're straight. They're good. They're just trying to see the power magic show. Do that thing with the blind people. That was cool. And here's what he says to them because he can see them now in the back. He can see them now and he can see them then. And here's what he says. What sorrows await you? What sorrows await you who are rich? For you have your only happiness now. What sorrows await you who are fat and prosperous now? For a time of awful hunger awaits you then. What sorrow awaits you who laugh now? For your laughing will turn to mourning and sorrow. What sorrow awaits you who are praised by all the people? You're the popular crew. Everyone likes you. You get lots of likes. You have lots of followers. What sorrow awaits you? For you know the ancestors also praised the false prophets. Oh, this is shocking. I mean, when I was prepping for this, I'm looking at this. I'm not hungry. You know what I'm saying? Like, I live in the top 1% of the world as far as my lifestyle. I laugh a lot. I laugh less now that Shannon Butler's gone. But I laugh a lot. I don't want I don't want us to get this. Like we're gonna get to heaven and they're like, uh, Kendrick, would you drive? Uh Corolla? <laughs> yeah. What year is it? 
What, what year is it? 06. Yeah. All right. Put them in the rich neighborhood in heaven. Right? They'd be like, what car are you drive? They'd be like, uh, Beamer. All right. Poor in heaven. <laughs> All right. What do you got? How much do you make? Rich neighborhood. This is not what Jesus is saying. Okay? You don't have to take a vow. Many Christians have taken a vow of poverty. A lot of monks have taken a vow of poverty. I will live poor because of this, and I will give away all my possessions. And I would never stop you from doing that. I think there's honor in that. That's not what Jesus is asking us to do. There's a parable that Jesus tells that I think explains what Jesus is saying. And he says, this man threw a banquet. He's describing his father bringing people into this kingdom. And he describes this kingdom that's then as a banquet, a party, a wedding feast. And he sends out the invitation to these special people. And then the man throwing the banquet says, now's the time. All right, go tell everybody the feast is ready. The calf has been killed. We got steak. Go tell them we got steak. We're going to party. And they go door by door. And they say, oh, you know what? I just got married, and we just kind of, like, we want to do date night tonight. And they go to the next one, and they knock on the door, and you're like, you know, I just did some, I just did a real estate deal. I got some land. I got to finish up the contracts. I don't have time. And they go one by one, and everybody has something else to do. The servants come back to the man throwing the banquet, and he is furious. And he said, those people that are so focused on now and winning now will never taste anything at the banquet. Do you understand what he's saying? This then and now perspective, if we're going to follow Jesus, is essential because, guys, me, I'm, I'm just speaking for myself. When I'm focusing on winning now, none of Jesus' teachings make any sense. It all feels like losing to me. But if I think about then, like I will give away money that will provide for me and comfort for me and security for my family, I'm going to give it away. Why? That's losing. Because then my treasures are in heaven. This then and now perspective is essential. And I think it's not about how much cash you have. It's are you so distracted with your life now that you don't even want to go to the banquet because the real estate deal is better than the banquet. Because the new marriage is better than the banquet. Because the property you own and the business you got is better than that. And Jesus says, that's fine. That's what you get. And enjoy it now. Because that's the only happiness that you will experience. And great sorrows await you then. As we got to get this. His way is upside down. The poor are lifted up and the rich are brought down low. The hungry are satisfied and the fat now are desperate. It's not over, don't worry. That was supposed to be a buzz. Sarah. 
The kingdom's upside down. What did I say? The kingdom is backwards. Look what he says next. It's like every instinct I have for myself, he says, no, others. And then every instinct I have when to think about the others, he says, no, self. Uh, we're sitting at the feet of Jesus, and he's saying, you got to live your life backwards. It's almost like my son Tyler when he shows up, and he's like, I hate you. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. What? He's like, it's opposite day. I'm like, oh, my turn. He doesn't do that anymore, okay? Jesus is like, you got to live like that. you got to take everything opposite. This is my kingdom. For you that are willing to listen, I say love your enemies. It's back opposite day, right? Is he going to say opposite day? Love my enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who hurt you. All right, this is where some of you might tap out. If someone slaps you on the cheek, offer the other cheek also. Opposite day? Is, it, is Jesus pranking us right now? If someone demands your coat, give me those shoes. Hey, we actually try this. Kendrick, give me those shoes. I'm just kidding. Later, tomorrow. <laughs> Someone demands your coat, offer your shirt also. Give to anyone who asks, and when things are taken away from you, don't try and get them back. Do to others as you would like them to do to you. All right, we've seen the power. He's done the miracles. The awe has led us to learning. And he's saying, Every instinct you have to protect self. You slap me in the face? No, I'm not going to, like, take that. I'm going to stand up for myself. You're going to steal my cloak? I don't even know what a cloak is, but no, you don't steal my cloak. I don't think I have one. But if I did, you can't steal it. My instinct is to protect myself. Is anyone else with me? And he says, no, treat them as you want to be treated. Like, their interests are as significant as your interests. It's backwards. This family of ordinary people that have been saved by Jesus, for those of you that have faith in the gospel of Jesus, you're his family. And he says, now this is how my family lives. We are a for others family. We're for others. We exist for others, not for ourselves. God will take care of us. We got a good dad. He will take care of us. You love others. Okay, yeah, I love, I mean, I love Lish. I love Kendrick. No, Bergs. No. Even the sinners love people that love them. We're talking about a different family that's holy. It means set apart. You're different. Not like the sinners. In fact, we're so different when people strike us and steal from us, we actually bless them 
and give to them. Are you at the feet of Jesus right now scratching your head? This is what he's saying. This is upside down. This is backwards. If you love those that only love those that love you, why do you get credit for that? Even the sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, why should you get credit for that? Even sinners do that much. And if you lend money only to those who repay you, why should you get credit for that? Even sinners will lend to other sinners for a full return. He says with an exclamation mark to the crowd, love your haters. Love your enemies. Not just mushy feelings towards them. Come on, it says do good to them. Lend to them. And don't ask for anything in return. Here's the key, as it says, then. Do that now and you're going to lose. You're going to lose your cloak. You're going to lose your dignity. But he says, then your reward from heaven will be very great. Now you're going to lose. But what? Then your reward will be great. And then he says this. If you do this, like family, I'm talking to you now. If we do this, if we live this way, we just say, then we're going to expect to get paid back then. Right now we're going to lose as we love. If we do this, we will be acting like the children of the most high God. In this family, we'll be acting like dad. We'll be imitating our dad. If we lose now to gain then. You feel me? For our dad is kind to those who are unthankful and wicked. Brian Berger walked onto this campus unthankful, not interested, falling asleep in the Bible study, doing things I shouldn't be doing. And he just grabbed me and loved me. I didn't even have the ability to have faith. I have zero faith. He even gave me faith to believe so that I could come to him and he could restore me. He did that to an enemy. So guess what? His kids, that's what we do. We're going to lose now. But we're going to imitate our father. Because we, we don't just get sins forgiven, people. We don't just get sins forgiven. Get this. I have no business being with God. He forgives my sins so that I can be in his kingdom. I can be in awe of him and at his feet learning from him and walking in his ways and filled with his power and living out the kingdom power on earth as it is in heaven. Living for then and someday. My inheritance is not now. The promises are not now. My promises are then. And Jesus suffered for it. Guys, he went to the cross now 
so that he could experience the glory then. Last point. His kingdom is upside down. The lower lifted up, the higher brought down low. It's upside down. It's backwards. Every instinct to uh, take care of yourself, he says, no, face others. Okay, I, I missed a point. The instinct to focus on others, when do we focus on others? When they're messing up, right? And we are so, f- we're others focused when we're pointing out what everybody's doing wrong. You believe that? That's wrong. You guys are doing that? That's wrong. You're wearing those? That's wrong. That was for you, Kevin. <laughs> we're focused out there with who, what's, when we're talking about condemnation and judgment. And Jesus says, why are you worrying about the speck in your friend's eye out there when you have a log in your own eye? How can you think of saying, friend, let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye when you can't even see past this humongous log in your own eye? You hypocrite. First, start with yourself. Do you see that? When it comes to judgment, I want to start out there. And he goes, no, 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 start here. When it comes to love, I want to start here. And he goes, no, 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 start out there. Opposite day. It's backwards. The last one is, is it his kingdom is inside out. Look, we spend, this is just the reality. Whether you're on social media or you're off social media, whether you're Gen Z or Gen X or Boomer or Zoomer or whatever, here's just the reality. We focus on the outside. We are all curating an image. Some of you do, you curate, you spend time creatively displaying for the world to see on social media who you want to be. And you work hard on that image. Guess what? I do it too. I might not do it on social media. But I want people to see the outside. I want them, I want to curate an image of burger that they like. Okay, we all do that. And Jesus says, in my kingdom, that's not it. My kingdom is an inside-out kingdom. Like if if you want to be a Christian and follow Jesus, don't curate the image. Look, I'm reading my Bible. Look, I'm praying. Look, I'm fasting. You guys fasting? Yeah, I'm so tired, man. I'm exhausted because I'm fasting, because I'm praying about this thing. And then you pray, and you're in the group, and it's like you are the longest prayer. And you have this prayer language. And everybody's like, dang, I might go pray after that. She's a good prayer. Okay? Jesus said that like that you just got when you prayed, it's all you're getting. You got it now. You're not going to get it later. He says, when you give money, you sound a horn. Oh, did you guys give the GoFundMe? Did you guys see that thing? Yeah, you know, I put my name on it so everybody saw. Put 50 bucks towards that. Did you guys see that? I saw you gave 20. You gave 50 bucks to that, right? Good job. You got the credit now. Jesus says you won't get credit then. inside out it's not about this exterior thing now here's what he says he relates it and i'm not going to read it i'm just going to say it real quick he relates it to a tree and he says 
how do you know if it's a good tree or a bad tree? If I got an orange tree in the backyard, how do you know if it's a good or a bad tree? If it's alive, all right, well, that's a start. If it's dead, yeah, it's a bad tree. Somebody said it. The fruit. If it's, if it's tasty oranges, it's a good orange tree. If it's nasty, dry oranges, it's a bad orange tree. Okay? How do you get good orange? How do you get good oranges? Soil. Like, it's about the roots, right? What are the roots in? If it's in bad soil, the fruit is bad. If your roots are in good soil, your life will be good. Okay. You want to change your life. Don't curate the outside. Jesus is telling us, dig your roots into real treasure. Real treasure. Not this stuff that the world is chasing. Me, Jesus, seek first the kingdom of God. Sink your roots into that. And what will come out of you, get this, is the kingdom fruit. Now, the same fruit you're going to experience forever then, you can have right now. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, self-control, gentleness. Now. On earth now as it is in heaven. How do we do it? It's inside out. It's about what our heart is seeking after. Good news. You don't have to change yourself. You got to be in awe of Jesus. And you got to be at his feet. And when you do that, he changes us from the inside out. And he begins to curate your life in a way that's authentic and real. In his image, not in the image you're trying to show everybody. Do you know what I'm saying? The image that he wants through you, which is his image. The last thing he says is, if you do this, you're at my feet now. This is Jesus. If you do this, when the waves and the storms of life come, you're like the house that is built on a foundation that can withstand the storm. If you listen to what I'm saying right now and you don't do it and you ignore it, you're like the house that is built on sand. And when that storm comes, your life's going to fall to pieces. 20 years later, after I showed up here, I've seen a lot of lives fall to pieces. And I've seen a lot of people go through storms I can't even imagine living through. And they're standing strong with Jesus, with peace. How does that happen? Be in awe of Jesus together. Be at the feet of Jesus together. And we'll get to experience them together. Let's pray. Father, I know that uh, it was purchased for us with blood. The inheritance of the kingdom of God comes through the blood of Jesus and it's only by your grace alone that you loved us. And it's only by our faith in just believing the good news that we even get to experience you. 
Lord, you've rescued us from the rule of darkness. You've transferred us into the kingdom of the beloved son. I pray we'd be in awe of you, not just in how we sing, but also in how we sit at your feet and learn from you. We pray in Christ's name, amen.